Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See at the Game website, and your host for the See at the Game podcast. The first 100 days of the Coach Prime era at the University of Colorado have already given Buff fans the most exciting offseason in memory. I am joined for this episode by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, and we discuss how Deion Sanders is changing the Buff program and how he has quickly reversed the national perception of Colorado football. We then turn our attention to the opening of spring football in Boulder. With access to practices significantly increased from years past, there's plenty of fodder for discussion. In addition to reports from the video room, there are quotes to dissect from, amongst others, Coach Prime, Offensive Coordinator Sean Lewis, and Defensive Coordinator Charles Kelly. So, Should Travis Hunter be spending time this spring as wide receiver instead of focusing on the cornerback position? Is offensive line coach Bill O'Boyle's pessimism cause for concern? Or is it just coach speak? With Coach Prime indicating she was far from done in the transfer portal, which units are most likely to be areas of focus when the portal reopens? What will a sold-out Folsom Field for the spring game mean to players who may not be on the roster come August. Let's find out. Okay, and we're back. Joined by Brad Geiger, hanging out in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Brad, how are yeah. you doing? Good. Finally, uh, a Wednesday without snow, which is... Uh, has been unusual for a few months now, so I'm <laughs> feeling better about today. Someone who loves snow is our own Neil Langland hanging out in downtown Denver. Neil, how are you doing today? I am fine. The uh, The Avs are playing just down the street, so there's a crowd assembling here. And uh, for those listeners, we had an offline discussion that Montana, around Stewart, had gotten two feet of snow over the last couple of days. And I'm just really envious of that. 
Well, you know, it is what it is. So we're going to talk a little bit about Colorado football because I think that's what we're here for and hopefully people are listening for. We are a little over 100 days into Coach Prime's era at the University of Colorado and about 100 some days before the first game. So kind of at a little midway point here as we get ready for TCU on September 2nd. Last week, there was a front page article on ESPN's website that was there for several days talking about the first hundred days of Coach Prime. And I think when I printed it out, it was like 10 pages worth of materials. And then, of course, The Athletic did a whole article on CU's new quarterback recruit, Danny O'Neill, a three-star guy out of Indianapolis, was worthy of an entire story at The Athletic. So Colorado apparently is national news. Neil, what do you think about uh, the first 100 days of the Coach Prime era? Well, it has all that we anticipated and more. Coach Prime just keeps augmenting uh, his game and showing us all the dimensions of his coaching and his coaching philosophy. It also shows us that I think just looking at the players, uh, through the videos that we see, seem to be taking it to heart. And I think Coach Prime is just fascinating all of the national writers because they're kind of in a slow time now and they need someone to talk about. And he is doing them a great service by being as colorful as he is. Yeah, well, Neil there, or Brad, there's certainly plenty to read about University of Colorado and the athletic, you know, which is one of the better websites has writers covering I think 23 I counted out of the 69 schools and now one of them is the University of Colorado so what do you make of Colorado being a 1 in 11 team that is getting more coverage than well a lot of other teams certainly uh, a lot of teams are wondering why the and some pundits are wondering why Colorado has the only ESPN nationally televised spring game coming up because of ratings. I mean, that's not even a question. You know, as, as I've said on here before, I don't think if we'd hired Bronco Mendenhall, we'd be getting this kind of attention. It is weird to have a celebrity coach. It's, it's a completely different game. And we knew when he was hired, and that first night when he walked in and gave his speech with camera crews trailing him, that we were facing something that we had never seen. This was celebrity irregardless of success here. And I'm not sure we've fully understood what it meant or how it's going to look. And I keep, there has to be, I guess, some downside to it, but we haven't seen it yet. You know, the players seem to be buying in. There doesn't appear to be much of a backlash. I think there's some folks in Lincoln who aren't happy, which of course <laughs> is one of the better things to come out of all of this. Um, but, um, well, yeah. And did you see that Matt Rule, the uh, Nebraska head coach, made an inference that she was already lobbying for Shadur Sanders to be a Heisman Trophy candidate because the helmets had S2S on them? And he thought that stood for Shadur Sanders number two, as opposed to, I don't know, maybe shoulder to shoulder, which has been on the helmets for years. Poor little Matt Rule just can't get enough of Colorado football. 
Neil, do you think there's a chance that there's too much attention being paid or are the expectations being raised too high at this point? I'm afraid that is a real concern because I, I think the fan base, national writers, everyone is assuming uh, with a few exceptions that CU is going to be not just a bowl team, but possibly a top 25 team. And I'm not sure that's realistic. There is still a ways to go yet with the new transfer portal interval coming up uh, in May, June. But I'm, I'm afraid that we've made a target of ourselves, you know, just slight negative here is that everybody, every opponent, especially our most cherished ones from Lincoln and just up the road here a piece are going to devote every resource in the world that they have to not just beating, but humiliating CU if they can. Yeah, well, it's nice to have a, you know, a bullseye on your back instead of just being pitied, I guess. I mean, if those are the two choices and that's what we've faced the last two years. So, Bradley, I mean, we're into spring practices. It sounds like Coach Prime is, and from the video, certainly he's into spring practices. His black cowboy hat is everywhere. And it seems like, you know, he's, you know, got them moving at a quick pace. I don't know if you saw that. You know, we talk about we're, we're not sitting there. You're running. If you're not running, you're doing something wrong kind of thing. That uh, everything about what Coach Prime seems to be well orchestrated and I guess if you're in front of a camera every day of your life for 40 years, that's uh, become second nature. Oh, unquestionably. They, 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 I remember when Coach McCarthy, McCartney started to win and he started to learn what it was like to deal with the national press, which was nothing like we've got now. And watching him you know, make some errors. And then, of course, watching Coach Barnett on live television <laughs> sink his career. Dion has been famous for as long as Dion has been able to catch football or knock down somebody who was trying to catch a football. And he just, he just grasped this stuff. I don't know if it's personality. It's clearly experience. And what's fascinating is his ability to communicate it and his ability to make people buy into it. It's not just the kids. You expect high school and college football players to buy into that. That's their ethos. That's their entire environment. But experienced coaches, guys who've been doing this a while, guys who you might expect to show a little bit of cynicism. Sean Lewis is not his first go-round. He's been a head coach. And you see him standing there, and everything you see about him and, and Sanders, Sanders prime rolls up, and everybody just stands taller and moves faster and does better. And certainly, you know, the fact that he can go pull out that Hall of Fame jacket and those Super Bowl rings probably is a bit of it. But a lot of it's just there are people born like this. And Coach Prime, he knows he is, and he's quite happy to be whatever that character is that he puts out there. He may have quiet times at 2 in the morning, but ain't none of us going to see him. <laughs> well, Neil, I want to give you one quote um, and we'll talk about specifics and talk about coordinators and things and what we're getting for, you know, this part of the spring so far. One thing that, you know, when it was many interviews, um, he talked about he prides himself on being strong, fast and well-conditioned. That's what his goal is for the team for the spring. And the analogy he gave, I thought was very interesting. He talked about how Jerry Rice was not a 4-4 type of runner. He's like a 4-6 kind of guy. 
And there are lots of cornerbacks that are out there, four, six kind of guys. But Jerry Rice was so well conditioned that in the fourth quarter, he was still a four, six guy. And the four, six cornerbacks were no longer four, six cornerbacks. And that's kind of his goal with his team is to be better conditioned than the opposition. It sounds like, I don't know, bigger, stronger, faster is not just an Olympic kind of thing, but uh, sounds like uh, Coach Prime has got the team buying into that kind of philosophy in spring practices. I watched a little bit of video from the off-season workouts, and it sure seemed like the strength and conditioning coach was working a lot on power and strength and endurance. And I think despite what we may hear early or later in this um, podcast is that it seems to me that the team is, is in better shape physically this year than they were last year at this time. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that. Mel Tucker, when he was here, emphasized conditioning. And all of the things that we saw from Mel Tucker in terms of how this team played is they played hard through the fourth quarter and they were able to win some games because they played hard all through the fourth quarter. Um, I'm expecting the same thing from this team, except uh, more of it than we've ever seen before. And that's part of that is due to the strength and conditioning program, but part of it is also due to the level of athlete now coming to Boulder are now in Boulder and the ones that will be coming um, in the spring and um, next year. So I'm sure that this team is going to be much better conditioned, much more flexible, much more mobile than what we have seen in the last two or three years. Yeah. Well, Brian, I'm going to give you another Coach Prime quote about developing the whole team and Again, you know, it, it just makes you think. And of course, a lot of, you know, it's coach speak. You could say it, a lot of coaches say the same thing, but again, it just sounds different coming from a Hall of Famer. But he was talking about how everyone in the building, we win together, we lose together. And he wants everyone in the building being involved in that. And he talked about developing even the guys that aren't going to be on the team anymore, that the lowest guy on the totem ball, they're going to develop them. And he had an interesting quote about, like, for the spring game, you know, that could be an audition for some of these players, that they're going to be on national television, and they might see the writing on the wall, but they might not, might not be playing for the University of Colorado, but they might be playing for somebody else. And they're going to have a hell of a spring game because they want to show potential suitors how good they are. So it seems like his philosophy of, developing you know even the third string outside linebacker is going to carry some weight going into the future because everyone on the team matters to him he's not just worried about the first 22 that's every coach says that and but it comes down to walking the walk sanders understands the transfer portal and the need for the transfer portal and how it impacts players again in a way that most older guys didn't that are last coach for example did not and he knows that he's got one he's got to get rid of some of these players but he'd rather they went good than went have to get cut he knows that if the if everybody on the team is practicing at full black at full speed then that pushes everybody to do it you know there there has always been 
for our example, a Charlie Offerdahl, whose job, who has dedicated himself to being that guy. He's like Rudy with talent and not as good a PR guy. And, you know, and Sanders understands that, that what's fascinating is that Sanders, who was one of the most physically gifted athletes in the world. I mean, the heavens reached down and said, here is speed. Go enjoy it. He truly seems to care about making people better. There are people who can coast on their physical abilities. Sanders never did that. He's not going to tolerate it. And if you show up and have the want to and can do the job, that appears to be what this team is going to be about. And you know that covers a multitude of other problems. It, it may be that the linebacker is not where he's supposed to be on the first one, but if by God he's going to hustle, get there a yard down the field, that's a lot better than what happened last year. Well, if we missed where somebody missed a tackle, they didn't sit on and watch somebody run down the field. Yeah. Well, Neil, we're going to talk a little bit about the offense. Brad talked about Sean Lewis, you know, being a head coach. He's only 37 years old. So he's still a, well, in our world, a whippersnapper because us old guys, but 37 year old, already been a head coach. Talking about his offense. It's all about speed, and you talk about this spring, we're teaching them to be elite problem solvers, and he compared himself to uh, Ricky Bobby when it comes to uh, going <laughs> fast, which I thought was a good uh, analogy, but tell me what you think of this quote. When you're operating this offense, it's lighting, like riding a bike down a volcano that's erupting. You can't be thinking about the bike. So I, I just love that quote that they're trying to teach these guys to talk so, you know, act so quickly. The offense is going to go so fast. So the you know, one drill they were doing where they're coaching the quarterbacks to throw the ball without having the, what am I trying on to say? Laces. On the laces that you're not spinning the ball, not taking the time to get the, you know, just however the ball gets snapped to you, you just get rid of it. So I know you're concerned about the offensive line, but if you're getting rid of the ball, faster than you can spin the ball to put the fingers on the laces don't have to hold your blocks too route too long so i i'm hoping that you're excited about the buffs having a fast offense coming 2023 i am excited about that and in the past the few times that cu tried to avail of its advantage at altitude they did it but not enough they didn't seem to want to stick with it this guy this group seems to want to do that and you're right, blocks will not need to be held as long if, if the ball's coming out in under a second or a second or uh, and a half. The other thing that they're doing is not just to move fast physically and to move quickly is to think quickly. One of the videos that came out showed the strength and conditioning staff giving instructions to the entire team about how they were going to do a specific drill, which was a spin drill. And they would give them four directions that they were going to pivot. They would say it fast, and then they'd say, do it. And of course, nobody could. And then they would give them a string of eight moves they had to make, set it quickly. Nobody could do it. At the beginning of the drill, you could see the players going, oh, why are we doing this? This is ridiculous. But at the end of the drill, they were able to memorize close to a dozen instructions about which way to pivot 
It was back forwards all the way around. Everybody on the team got it. My point is they're teaching them to be fast in every aspect of the game, to think fast, to read quickly, and to get on with it. I think that's a great thing. Okay. Well, Brad, I'll get your general comments on the offense, but I also want to ask you about Travis Hunter, because in a previous podcast, I believe you said that one thing you didn't want to see was Travis Hunter working with the offense, that we needed him to be an elite defensive back. But the coaches said, I think something to the, along the lines of, you know, he can roll out of bed and be a defensive back, but we're teaching him to be a wide receiver. So are you, uh, Concerned about, about Travis Hunter leading the, the wide receiver core, or do you believe the coaches that he's just such a freaky athlete that he can play both positions at a Pac-12 or Power 5 level? Well, so you're asking me if I think I know defensive backs better than Deion Sanders. Um, and <laughs> while I do not suffer from a lack of ego, that is not where I'm going to go on any comment. Yeah, I want Travis Hunter to play every down on defense. I think it's hard to be a, a, a two-way player in today's game. That said, he appears, people who watch him every day, people who watched him for two years say he is just that good. But this also comes down to Sanders understanding what a player needs. And maybe Travis Hunter would rather be a first-round draft pick as a wide receiver than a cornerback. So Sanders is going to give him that chance. And he's going to – Supposedly, everybody's earning their number. And if that's how Travis Hunter is going to earn his, then right now, I'm not going to criticize. Um, there's just these people know what they're doing. Sean Lewis has made it very clear. He wants he has to have a deep receiving core because those guys are going to be running every time, all the time. And they're, you know, their job is to out endurance the quarterbacks at 5000 feet and. If one of those guys you can throw out there once the horn has gone out and everybody else has run and you're deep into the third quarter and Travis Hunter comes out and blows past USC's corner, I'll be the one standing on a 50-yard line yelling and screaming. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> well, I have something in there just real quick? Hunter is such a consummate defensive back. In order to keep him not bored during spring ball, Excellent. Give him something else to learn, something else to do, because as Brad said, he can roll out of bed and, and cover anybody. So challenge him. And also learning how offenses think and the moves that wide receivers are taught will help him as a DB. Yeah, well, I, I, I 100 percent agree. I just, you know, the more plays he's out there, the more plays he has a chance of getting hurt. But. And there's something to be said. He could be trying to guard Jimmy Horn, who apparently is turning a lot of heads with his speed. And, yeah. you know, there's been some access for the media, and Jimmy Horn is certainly a wide receiver that stood out. And we've got, of course, two four-star wide receivers coming in from the class of 2023 that aren't even in Boulder yet. So maybe it's a – Travis Hunter's going to get some reps, and that would be a good time to do that. Neil, well, actually, I'm going to stick with Brad because I'm going to come back to you, Neil, for the offensive line. I'm going to ask Brad about the, the running backs and the quote from Gary Harrell, um, who's the running back coach, but he's also the assistant head coach. And I have a hard time calling Gary Flea, but I guess I'll by, maybe by fall, if <laughs> things are going really well, he can be Flea if he wants to be. 
I just like the idea of this quote you talked about. You know, he didn't watch tape of all, you know, the running back position is one place where CU actually has returning participants. I don't know if you, Deion Smith was a starter. I mean, we obviously there's lots of back and forth with the running backs, but there's lots of tape on the existing running back core other than Dylan Edwards who's coming in as the freshman. But he basically said, I didn't watch any tape or very little tape. I didn't judge them based upon past experience. I just don't think that their results in the past is going to be indicative of their future. I want to make sure I give them fair play. Now, again, you know, that's coach speak, and you probably hear that from any coach on any position for any team in the country. But again, when you're talking about Coach Prime's crew, it seems to ring more true that they realize that they're bringing in their luggage and they're bringing in players that they're familiar with, but they are not uh, banishing the 40-odd returners to secondary status and automatic transfer portal that everybody on the team is going to get a chance. And you mentioned Charlie Offerdahl got a, a nice video of him scoring, you know, a touchdown, getting mobbed by his team. And this is a walk-on guy and, you know, getting his opportunity to play. So uh, your thoughts on Gary Harrell and his quote and just the overall philosophy of how the coaches are seeming to treat the returning guys as being being buffs that have a chance to play. Again, when Prime rolled in that first night, called the players together and say, we come. And I mean, there were people who took that badly. They took that as him dissing the current players. But over time, we have settled on a very clear narrative. These are good guys who are terribly coached. Now, those of us who watched that last team may likely agree to some of that. <laughs> yes. um, but it, they've used that as a way to wipe the slate completely. I've got these players on the team. They're going to play. And so when Flea says that, the sense I get is you guys didn't get a fair chance and now you're going to. And I, I, I think given how bad we were last year, um, that that is the only way to attract it. Now, you know, who knows who's going to start out of that bunch? Um, I think, you know, and we and a guy that I think is going to contribute to God, Kavian Smoke, not even in camp. Right. Um, so, yeah, he's he says, all, again, th this is this bunch understands the media in a way that works and they communicate to their players through the media because that's the way kids nowadays communicate. Yeah. It's not just what's said in the meeting room. It's what hits Twitter or TikTok, you know, or whatever else is going on. They hear it from all sides. They're listening to all sides. And these coaches take advantage of that. And so I love that quote. I thought it was probably honest. He wants to know what he's got. But I think it's also just part of this they sit down, they have to sit down in the coach's room and have theme meetings. This is what we're going to say. And they all seem to have bought into it. And it's it's fun to watch, you know, as somebody who makes a living trying to put together narratives. They figure <laughs> it out and they stick to it. And it they all present it in a different way, but it's the same story if you listen closely. Very good. Well, I think that's a really good segue, Neil. First, for the part about decent players being coached poorly and having an assistant coach that is using video and other media to get a point across. 
So let's talk a little about the Colorado offensive line. So it seems like, you know, what we were predicting or, well, okay, we don't predict. We don't even assume. We have no idea. But what we read in terms of potential players coming in to start along the offensive line, it does sound like Tyler Brown, who is a starter at Jackson State, is impressing. Savion Washington, who came over from Kent State with his coach, uh, head coach and his offensive line coach is doing very well. And there's, you know, a couple of returners that are doing okay, but it uh, doesn't sound like Bill O'Boyle is too excited about what he's got to work with. What is uh, your take been on the offensive line and spring practices so far and what this coach has to say about him and what uh, Buff fans might expect from him? Well, I'm going to take an opportunity to uh, once again endorse the new heading on your website, see you at the game, that has videos stocked there. And one of them there was of offensive line practice and a short interview with the offensive line coach. And I, I want to digress for a moment and agree with Brad's point that we really don't know how good some of our receivers are or could be. Same with running backs because the offensive line was just not blocking anybody. So with that, I watched that video and it seemed to me that the offensive line coach is not a cupcake. He is, if you were to look at him, as the cliche goes, there would be a picture of him. He just seems like a real down to earth guy, doesn't mince any words and is very clear, very direct on what he wants and will tolerate no deviation from that. Just watching him instruct the O-line, it looked like he was doing very basic things with body position and posture that probably he expected a lot of these kids to already know. And his comments at the end, which we'll get to in a moment, seem to indicate that he thinks that the O-line probably was not well coached in the past uh, and or that they were not really ready to play. And so I'll, I'll just skip to the, the chase here. At the end of this um, scrimmage, the first day in pads, uh, the interviewer asked the offensive line coach, so coach, is this an arrow up, arrow sideways or arrow down day? And he was so emphatic, he said down, down, clearly down. And he then uh, went on to list uh, a few of the things that he found wanting in this group. What is, they were out of shape. Two, he sort of questioned their maturity a little bit by saying they're feeling sorry for themselves, essentially because I'm working them so hard. And he felt the O-line, and this is really an awful word, given the tradition at CU with some of its offensive lines, that the O-line was soft. Uh, these are quotes. And he said, at this stage, and I think that means in the power five that we can't be as bad as we are at this point in time. That is also a quote. We have a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. He repeated that and that at the beginning of the interview, he was asked, well, how's it going? He said, I didn't see much here. <laughs> so that all sounds to me like a couple of things are possible. One, it could be as bad as he says, which kind of cuts against 
some of the things we were expecting from this group. And two, he's trying to motivate his players by saying something in the press, saying something public that's going to get back to them. But either way, I think the offensive line cannot help but improve under this coach. I think if anybody can put something together, this guy seems like the dude. Yeah. My only caveat in that is that, you know, we've had strength and conditioning coaches before that seemed like the real deal. We've had offensive line coaches that seem like the real deal. And it always seems like the next best things. Hopefully these guys are the guys. Well, but Brad, I mean, overall, offensively, I think you have to be pretty content. Maybe if that's maybe because the offensive line is so bad, they're teaching quarterbacks to throw without the laces that uh, we're going to get rid of the ball before they even have a chance to, uh, you know, take their first step back. But the offense seems to be getting a lot of positive press. Mm -hmm. Uh, The defense, we haven't heard a whole lot about other than perhaps the front sevens a little disappointing and probably still not very deep. Yeah. I mean, first of all, anybody who wants to go and watch any video interview with Shane Cox and then understand what a Dartmouth degree actually means. <laughs> okay. You can be, you can disdain the Ivy league for many things, but you listen to that young man speak and, and his personality. And I don't know what he's going to do with his life, but it's going to work out. But yeah, the defense. And I, again, that may be to be expected. Um, we know there's problems at linebacker uh, in particular. Uh, we are desperately trying to figure out who's going to play defensive line again. And it, it may just be that the defensive coaches are not as willing to speak up like the way they are. I, it sounds every bit of information we have says that the cornerbacks are working out, that the secondary is working out. We expected that. We knew the front seven was going to be to call it a work in progress is probably to understate. I think it's, I think it's a dilapidated home that may have to go down to the foundations. And yeah, we're not hearing a lot about that. I think they brought in enough experience and guys who've played elsewhere who, um, who will probably learn it as quickly learn it more quickly than we hope. But yeah, the, the, that front seven, uh, particularly pass rushing, they're going to have to get better. Um, and I'm hoping that you know, Cokes and some of the other guys can step up and do that. But obviously I'm going to be worried about the offense line until the first block is thrown. But I, I'm, I'm until somebody gets somebody sacked, I'm going to worry about the, the front seven too. Yeah. Well, Neil, the defensive coordinator, Charles Kelly, he t- was asked about what they're doing at this point. He says 90% implementation, 10% experimentation. His quote was, we've got to see not only how people play, but how they learn and how they process. And then they're shuffling people around. Is that coach speak for things are going pretty well or coach speak for I don't have enough bodies to make this work? Oh, geez. Tough question. Uh... <laughs> Let me stall for a moment here to think of something. I think it means that in the process of doing the installation of the new defense, which they've been doing in the classroom, working up to this, now getting it out onto the field and trying to teach these kids their keys, their reads, and so on, 
that it may not be going also also well at this point. But I, I, I just get the feeling that things aren't as bad in his mind as he thought they would be. If they're experimenting, I think that means, like Brad said earlier, they're giving everybody a fair shake to see what position they might be best suited for and how they can move things around, how they're going to establish some depth. Or in a more cynical vein, what guys and what positions they're going to have to bring in through the portal come June. I think I'll quit there. <laughs> well, Coach Prime, you know, talk about it. It's, it's like a play that you rehearse for when you know all the actors on the stage, but you still have to go through the process. And I think that's what I think he knows where the, the holes are. I think he knows where the needs are. And that's a good segue, I think, to talk about the transfer portal and his quotes. Brad, he talked about, we ain't no joke in this portal. You know, even though she was the number one transfer portal class, we haven't got started in the portal yet. We're about to get started as soon as we are allowed to. Now, CU, depending on whether or not you count Shiloh Sanders, because he's not on the team quite yet, but 95 or 96 scholarship players accounted for for a team that can only have 85 come August 1st. And it sounds like Deion Sanders is still willing to go shopping in the transfer portal. And I don't know how many unicorn defensive line pass rushers are out there that are going to be available come April and May, but it sounds like uh, Coach Prime is uh, is is out there and he's pretty ready to go and get more bodies to bring in. Well, yeah, and and we, we talked about this in our preview. There are simply positions. They have a lot of talent at the defensive backfield. Are some of those guys going to move up? Are we going to run – you know, I think we're going to run. I know we're going to run a lot of nickel. We may run a lot of dime. We may have safeties and cornerbacks playing line, essentially linebacker. Um, I think that's part of the ex experimentation. They're trying to figure out the best 11 guys to get on the field. But yeah, if they, they need to find, I think they need some Vulcan defensive line. I think they need a pass rusher. We know they need another quarterback. And you wrote about how, yes, we would like to find the rainbow unicorn to fill that position. I, <laughs> I don't know that that guy's out there. So again, Coach Prime is such a fascinating combination of confidence and realism. He's going to give every, he's always got the best guys in here and they're working the hardest and I'll replace him in a minute. And he can say that. But With a straight, straight face and, and be believable. One yeah. sentence after the next. And everybody goes, yes, sir. <laughs> they just <laughs> nod along because he says it with such confidence and he says it with such apparent sincerity that it's just what you do. And in the end, I do believe that Coach Sanders cares very much about every person on his team. And the only thing he cares more about is winning. Yeah. And, you know, he is, he is willing not to get too dramatic about this, but, you know, Lee's famous quote that you can't love your army too much because then you won't be willing to send it in a battle. <laughs> you know, I love these kids. They're my great. I'm, I'm right here for them, and I will – Cut him in a minute and replace him with a better player. Yeah, and they they apparently are learning it. But but Neil, it seems like there's buy-in, and of course that's another cliche that we have to deal with at this time of year. That there's you know there's always complaints about well there's lots of energy, 
you know, that's another cliche we get this kind of time of year and that there's a lot of buy-in from the team on the new coaching staff. But we also haven't had video of the players in practice, in the weight room, interacting with each other. So we really have much to compare this to, but it certainly seems like from the videos that we do have access to and the, you know, the practice that we are allowed to see, or at least, you know, parts of plays that we're allowed to watch and stuff like that, that there is buy-in, that there is enthusiasm on this team. Fair statement? It is indeed. And you and Brad had a little discussion about, about buy-in. And I think, and the way Coach Prime and the other coaches approach these players, it does seem that the players are buying in. It's easy to say that every year, but this seems like a tougher camp and a tougher off-season conditioning program. So this is the genuine article. It seems to me that also the coaches and the players, they're all trying, I think, to audition for, well, not the coaches, but the players are trying to audition, as you said, and just doing a little back of the envelope arithmetic. Assume that we're going to have 20 guys coming through the portal and getting us down to 85. That means about 35 guys that are here now are not going to be here come August 1st. So these kids, I think, as you said, are going to buy in and try their best to put the best foot forward, either to stay here or to catch on somewhere else. Okay. Well, let me... Uh kind of wrap it up a little bit i got one talk about the spring game a little bit but uh, since we're getting into the heart of spring practices and talking about Deion sanders in his first 100 days there was an article and of course it's preseason magazine time that anybody that wants to publish something can publish something including myself but it was ranking the pac-12 coaches and put Deion sanders in at number seven in the pac-12 I'll read you the list, and I want each of you to tell me where you would put Coach Sanders in the Pac-12. Uh, this particular writer is no more smarts than either one of us or any of us or anybody else that's listening to us, for that matter. Lincoln Riley, Kyle Whittingham, of course, USC and Utah. Kalen DeBoer of Washington was number three. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State four. Dan Lanning. Oregon five, Chip Kelly at six, UCLA, then Deion Sanders. And then after that, Jake Dickert, the Washington State coach, Justin Wilcox at number nine, Jed Fish at Arizona at number 10, Troy Taylor and number 11, new coach at Stanford, and then Kenny Dillingham, the new coach at Arizona State. So there's, you know, two other new coaches. Jed Fish is pretty new. Justin Wilcox has been around for a while. Jake Dickert's going to be into his well, one full year, half a year, so I guess partially you could call it his third year coming up. Brad, would you put uh, Deion Sanders above any of those other coaches, or would you put him below any of the ones that are ranked below him at this point? You got to take Riley and, and Winningham. They just have succeeded at this level. They don't quite succeed at the highest level, <laughs> but you know that. And <sighs> I want to believe into Coach Prime. At what he's been asked to do so far, he's done better than any of those guys, except maybe Lincoln Riley. And played a game. I tend to see, you know, the, those top, there's kind of a top two, and then a bunch of guys. And, you know, they have they all have skills and they all have abilities, but none of them have particularly 
proven that they are a top level coach, uh, maybe Oregon, but um, you know, each has had some success and each has had some concerns and who knows about Chip Kelly. Um, he will break your heart against the opposing team and then break your heart as a fan the next moment. So I, if you consider a kind of three through seven, a grouping, then throw a blanket over those guys until you see them play. You know, I think the, I personally think the Arizona schools have challenges that outweigh those at CU. So I think those guys are going to struggle. Well, they, they do now might not have made that statement a year ago, but yeah. yeah. So Neil, where does uh, coach Sanders zero and zero as a power five coach uh, fit into your list of PAC 12 coaches? Where would you put him? Well, we have data on just about all of those coaches at the power five level. And I think Brad's right that we've got two outliers at the top and then some guys that are kind of in between. I would pick uh, Sanders for his experience in the game in total at all levels and his potential. I'm going to put him ahead of Chip Kelly. Wow. Um, hmm. And not just this year, but maybe next year. But I think we can see Coach Prime, if he sticks around here a little while, um, moving up that ladder. And he has potential to be in that top group with Riley and Whittingham um, if he stays here three or four years. That's a big if. Yeah. Um, what I think Coach Prime has that we haven't seen since McCartney is a lot of the same qualities that McCartney had. And that as much as anything is going to propel him up through those ranks because mm -hmm. he's going to be a great recruiter as McCartney was. And he has the charisma. Anyone that's ever been to a recruiting lunch and seen McCartney speak was ready to strap it on right then and run through a wall. I think coach prime has similar motivational skills, I'm not saying the other guys don't, but if there is one high card in the deck, it's that ability to judge and recruit talent, not just players, but also coaches. And I yes. think I'm going to, I'm going to take a flyer on this coaching staff and say, that's the big difference between coach prime and the other guys in that middle group. Hmm. Okay. No, excellent. And I th think yeah. you made a very good point there, Neil, in throwing in recruiting coaches that, Again, unproven at this point, but on paper and on video at this point, I think we have to be as Buff fans pretty excited about this coaching staff and what their potential is for what they can do um, when they're given talent to coach. Our coordinators could have been head coaches. One was, and the other one was was on that line. I mean, our, our defensive coordinator could be coaching at, at, at uh, FCS really easily he could be coaching a non-pyro five team real easily he's here as our dc so i yeah i think neil's very correct about that i find the comparison between dean sanders and bill mccartney so fascinating because looking at those two guys you would think they had nothing in common <laughs> um but she's right if you hear if you listen to either one the, the same faith that same dedication that same sense of purpose it rings true yeah well, and Brad and I, going back 
41 years. We'll Did you have, have to this... count that high, Stu, really? Well, we had that. Well, All we your had fingers and toes. toes. <laughs> That's sad to say, but we had the same experience of seeing Bill McCartney in person for the first time at the same time at a DRC meeting the week of the Nebraska game, his first year in 1982. And after I got past the idea of what the hell is this guy talking to a student organization when he should be watching film on Nebraska, listening to him talk that, you know, I still have to this day, I have that same feeling that I was ready to suit up. I was ready to play for this guy. And for a team that had no chance of beating Nebraska, hadn't beaten Nebraska at that point in what, 13 years. And yet he had everybody, a room full of nerds believing that C was going to beat Nebraska and we were excited to be a part of it. So yeah, I have no reason to believe that Deion Sanders doesn't hold that same sort of uh, spell over his team and can motivate them when the time, when the time comes. I want to finish just get your final thoughts on the spring game, which is approaching a sellout. It was reported that 40,300 tickets have gone out, 8,000 of them to students, but what's that? Over $32,000, $10 tickets have been sold. And for those wondering how a 50,000 seat stadium can be sold out at 41,000, they're not opening up any of the club level or any of that type of stuff. So um, they're seven, 800 seats away from being a sellout for the SPN spring game coverage. Mind blowing. Any thoughts on what it's going to be like to watch a spring game at the university of Colorado with the full Folsom field. It's just like, it, this stuff doesn't come around and you just have to, you just have to enjoy it. You just have to, you got to love that the students I was impressed last year with the students buy-in on a, on a team that was just objectively terrible. Very, yeah, very um, much so. And, you know, they're going to go out there, and, and, and if the weather gives us that kind of spring day that we all remember in Boulder, it's going to be as glorious a day as you could possibly have. And it is the triumph of hope, and it's going to be fun to watch. And mm-hmm. if the weather's good, I'll be there. And if not, I'll be in front of my TV drinking less expensive beer. <laughs> well, well, Neil, I know you're going to go come hell or high water or rain or snow, but you're pretty excited about being at Folsom Field to watch a scrimmage? Well, since you went back 41 years, that brought me back to the time where we would sleep out for concert tickets yeah. days ahead. And since it's general admission, you better get your butt there early to get in and get a decent place to sit. It's going to be a free-for-all. The other thing about this is this is never going to happen again in your lifetime, in anybody's lifetime, to have an opportunity to see an event like this. It's unique just in anticipation. And I think if Coach Prime holds true to his media savvy, this is going to be a great event. I just hope that CU is prepared to take full advantage of this opportunity mm-hmm. so yeah i think well, well yeah I, I don't think they're going to be a whole lot of videos of them you know running drills and and things like that that coach sanders is going to make sure that the recruits that are watching on tv are going to get a show so um our next our next uh podcast will be a preview we'll talk about everything that we've learned during the rest of spring camp and a preview for 
the spring game and we'll just continue the the ride that is coach sanders uh prime time at colorado it's i think i went through i mean when i looked at the 100 days headline for espn it was 272 days between the days hired and the day of his first game so roughly nine months of just as brad called it hope and until something happens in fort worth or in Boulder to prove us otherwise, we're going to continue to have hope and continue to love, enjoy the ride. So thank you both. And we'll talk again a little bit more about spring football. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the spring game. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. Good Good to be here. Thank you both for listening to this podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation which is finally being rewarded for its loyalty. I hope you are subscribing to the podcast so you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be part of their podcast network. As always, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Please subscribe and don't forget to leave us a review and comment. And again, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, All the episodes can be listened to at the See You at the Game website. I will be back soon with Neil and Brad, and we'll be discussing spring practices and doing our preview for the CU spring game. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.